As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4 to 6 with A&B, your high state podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landis, joined by Ari Wasserman. And Ari, I felt felt the malaise around Ohio State for really going on two weeks now. Just, you know, not a lot of good happening. Guys going in the portal. Michigan's looking like it might win a national championship, which is like everyone's worst nightmare in Columbus uh, after they just beat the Buckeyes uh, a little over a week ago. Uh, Just not – I know – I think during the Michigan game, right or right after the Michigan game, you talked about it being like the, a really low point for Ohio State. I think the way that I would describe it is like there's just no juice, or at least there was no juice around Ohio State um, for the better part of of you know ten go, ten days going on two weeks here. Uh, and I really felt like this was a program in dire need of some kind of win, and I feel like they got it on Tuesday with their new defensive coordinator Jim Knowles from Oklahoma State. Yeah, I th- losing to Michigan was tough. Watching Michigan go out and win the Big Ten championship game by 100 and then match up with Georgia and seem to have a path to potentially playing for a national championship just made it worse. And, you know, the Elias Rick stuff, you know, regardless of how that pans out, started the Tuesday morning off pretty weird. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, some of the recruiting wins that other programs are having that Ohio State usually is having, you know, it did seem like. Ryan Day needed to make a move and, you know, going out and getting an established coordinator that 
you know, looked out after one of the best defenses in college football last year is probably a pretty good start. Yeah, so, like, I don't uh, – I think this is a really good hire. I, I like Jim Knowles a lot. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about why. But just, like, the reason I would label it a win is because there are a lot of programs looking for defensive coordinators. There are a lot of programs going through changes, and, and that includes, you know, not just head coaches, but those new head coaches trying to fill their staffs, other, other you know, coaches that have been in place trying to hire new coordinators. This was a pretty competitive race, I think, to get Jim Knowles, who had the, the second-best defense by most metrics behind Georgia, and in some cases a defense that was better than Georgia in, in some metrics. Uh this was this was super competitive. I, I we don't have the terms or the number or anything like that. I'd imagine that Jim Knowles is getting at least two million dollars, and I think it's probably more than that, uh, based on the fact they were paying Kerry Combs, who never coordinated a defense before, one point five million dollars. So uh, it's going to cause them to break the bank, I think, in a way they've not done when it comes to hiring assistant coaches. And remember the day of the million dollar coordinator and how that seemed like going into outer space. Yeah, and Ohio State was slow to come around on that, um, which which was like kind of a thing around here. Uh, they 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 caught up to that, but now. Like, I, if it comes out that Jim Knowles is making, like, what Brent Venables is making at Clemson or what Dave Aranda made at LSU two years ago, which is, like, $2.5 million, I wouldn't be shocked by that. I, I think it, it, and it required probably that kind of an aggressive move for Ohio State to get the guy that it seemed like it had targeted almost from the jump when, when Ryan Day uh, decided that he was going to go outside for a defensive coordinator hire. Yeah, $2.5 million for a coordinator is, like, half of very successful head coach's salaries. I mean, yeah, it's like it's Jim Harbaugh's making less than five right it's now. It's more like <laughs> if Jim Knowles wanted to go coach at like I don't know UMass, I think he's making more as Ohio State's defensive <laughs> defensive coordinator than he would be if he coached there. You missed one important fact about this person. Very important. I, I fact know the most. I think that I know the most important fact about him, but I didn't want to bring it up because then I'd talk for forty five minutes about it. What's the most important fact about him? He's from Philadelphia. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he's actually uh, which which direction though? I think he's from North Philly. He's from he went to St. Joe's Prep, which is Kyle McCord and Marvin Harrison Junior's high school. Uh, so the pipeline is strong. The pipeline from St. Joe's Prep to Ohio State is getting stronger by the day. Here's the most important thing about that outside of Mister Cheesesteak over there. 1988. Cornell defensive line coach, 1989 to 1994, Cornell running back coach, 1995 to 96, Cornell's linebacker coach, uh, 1997 to 2000, Western Michigan, and 2000 to 2002, still at Western Michigan, 20, 2003, Ole Miss, 2004 to 2009, Cornell's head coach, 2010 to 2017, Duke, 2018 to 2021, Oklahoma State. You know what's not on that list? Anywhere, <laughs> anything having to do any with Urban Meyer? <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> no, I like. I agree. I agree totally. That was like, I suppose, veteran coordinator, experienced guy. You can just turn the thing over to is more important than that. Although I feel like I can make an argument that it wasn't. I feel like in a very serious way, Ryan Day needed to like stop hiring Urban Meyer people, <laughs> people, and make this his own thing, um, and like and and truly make this sort of his own program and and. You know, if you keep hiring guys who have been in the building before and coached under the guy who you succeeded, like that's not the way you do that. Clearly, there are urban holdovers uh, who are very good. You know, like Brian Hartline, Tony Alford, um, even Kerry Combs, not as a coordinator but as a coach. Like, I'm not saying that everyone who coached under Urban was terrible, but uh, I think for this specific hire, given his recent track record, it's not even about bad or good, Bill. He had to, it's just about new it's, and fresh, right? And he had and he had to and he had to break that 
that little run that he was on there. I think of bringing in people that were too comfortable and too familiar, I think, with what Ohio State is. I think Ohio State needed a new, fresh voice, especially for this position as defensive coordinator. Yeah, and the thing about it, too, is based on his credentials, based on what we anticipate he could be making, you know, based on where he's from, this seems to be the exact hire that you described Ohio State needed. Yeah. Not just an outsider, but somebody who can come in and, I mean, do we anticipate that he's going to have uh, his say on who's going to remain on his staff? Like the, like you said, the head coach of the defense. Yeah. And based on the way that this profile of the hire would you know, make it seem, it seems like that's what he did. And now I'm very curious to see, and obviously that's going to be a secondary part of this discussion, uh, about whether or not he is going to retain everybody what he's going to do, and then, you know, schematically, too, that's another thing. But if he's the head coach of the defense, he has no Urban Meyer ties. He's probably somebody who was a very attractive candidate to multiple places that wanted a, a, a coordinator position filled, and he had his team a yard away from going to the college football playoff, potentially, at Oklahoma State, playing in a conference where defense doesn't play very much. It's like, I don't know, a home run? home run resume wise yeah i don't we'll i don't really think he you know the, the, i guess the results will bear themselves out right and and when we'll have a discussion later down the road about whether or not this actually worked but in terms of in terms of profile of person that i thought ryan day should have targeted for this position i'm not i'm not sure he could have found a better person um, and i actually i really like the fact that he's got head coaching experience in, in his background that was cornell's his alma mater he's an ivy league guy um so he's he's pretty sharp obviously he's he's Kind of like he's a cigar smoking. He's fifty six years old, uh, cigar smoking, Ivy League educated vegan from Philadelphia. He's like the Dos Equis man of college football. <laughs> I didn't know that any vegans ever came from Philadelphia. I'm assuming he's not a lifelong vegan. Listen, he and I are going to have a talk at some point about uh, being a vegan when you're from the place uh, of the cheesesteak and, and how that all went for him. Um, I will say that you know I was excited when I saw that he was from Philly, and a little less excited when I saw that he was a vegan. No offense to any vegans out there who might be listening, but if you're going to deny yourself a cheesesteak, then it's not about whether or not you're into vegans. Hey, all the power to you. It's just that you don't have nothing in co- anything in common with. Yeah, this what, are you, what are you supposed to talk about? It's like I don't have anything against ballet, but if somebody's number one interest was ballet, I just don't know what I would say to them. Somebody, you know, uh, I want to read this, and I promise you, this podcast will not be all about the fact that. Uh, Jim Knowles is from Philadelphia, but uh, our buddy Tim Shoemaker, former member of the Ohio State beat, uh, who got out of it smartly, uh, sent me a screenshot. Sorry, I'm vamping. I got a lot of <laughs> got a lot of tweets about this guy being from Philadelphia. Something along the line of like, uh, you can't you can take the boy out of Philly, but you can't take the Philly out of the boy. And then he was talking about the birds, and he was talking about tasty cakes. And I was like, this is it. This is the guy. This is the guy who's going to bring Ohio State back to the promised land. <laughs> I saw a tasty cake truck on the road the other day, and I thought about Did you. Follow it. I <laughs> just wanted to see where yeah, it was going. What's the, what's the destination <laughs> there? I need to know where the thing ends up. Um, probably one of the nine thousand gas stations in the Dallas area. Yeah, probably. Um, so. The, the, the plan here is that Jim Knowles is going to coach Oklahoma State in the Fiesta Bowl, which is kind of funny because his last game at Oklahoma State and his first game against Ohio State are both going to be against Notre Dame. Um, 
maybe he's getting a leg up in that way. Uh, Ryan Day, in a statement, very brief statement, said the plan is to keep the current staff intact uh, through Rose Bowl preparations. But but obviously, I don't think you make a move like this and, and just assume that the defensive staff stays as is. For one, they they have to lose somebody because because you can only have ten assistants, and at the moment they have ten and they're bringing in an eleventh. So I don't I don't know what that defensive staff's going to look like. I, I'm assuming Jim Knowles when he gets here will do an assessment of that and, and figure out who meshes with him and who doesn't. Maybe he tries to bring someone from Oklahoma State. I have no idea. Um, I still, I still have like a a prevailing feeling for for no other reason than like just being a vibe that Kerry Combs is going to stay and have some kind of different role. But but beyond that, I I don't know. Larry Johnson might retire, um, might not. I have no idea. I think even if he does, he's still around the program in some capacity. But you know, there could be three or four new position coaches on that side of the ball when it's all said and done. And, and Jim Knowles, by trade, coaches linebackers, but he could also just be... Uh, I was just going to say that. He could just be a coordinator, too. Um, this is like this is very much like a schemer hire. He doesn't have much of a reputation for recruiting. Um, I don't think he's he's considered like an ace position developer, or the, although maybe he is. It's not, not that I can tell. But this is like this is scheme all the way, I think, for Ryan Day, which I actually think is the way he had to go for, for go with this. Yeah, yeah. Scheme is the thing. I mean, that's the whole thing. Yeah. Scheme and somebody who can draw up a defense that doesn't have tough Borland covering the best <laughs> skill position player in the country. You know, and I understand that was a matchup problem, but I mean, it's just like, come on. Yeah, that was a matchup. Any 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 situ any co- any coach that can not have tough Borland chasing. Who was it, Devontae Smith? Devontae Smith, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Now, there are some similarities, I think, between what Jim Knowles wants to run and what Ohio State like tried to run at points last year. I think at the, like, the base level, it's a pretty aggressive – it's not a pretty aggressive. It's a very aggressive scheme, which is, I think, starkly different from what Ohio State's done the last two years. I think, I think you'd agree, like watching them, they just seem very passive, right, on defense, soft zone coverage. Passive and slow. <sighs> soft zone coverage, not a lot of aggression, not a lot of blitzing. Um, and just like kind of picked apart at times. And I think Jim Knowles, and, and I've read multiple things. I've watched a, a few different videos of his where he talks a lot about playing offense on defense. Um, you're not going to get any of that passivity with, with the Jim Knowles defense. Yeah. You know, I just want to see linebackers flowing to the football and blowing crap up. That's all I want to see. Yeah. I think you'll see that. That's it. Like that's, yeah, that's all I want to see. But there's like an interesting wrinkle with that too to, to, to talk a little bit about his scheme, and, and I'll write more about this, and we'll talk more about it. And I might um, at some point maybe try to get someone on here who's more of an expert on what he does than, than Ari and I are. Um, but nobody's more of an expert than you, John Madden. That's right. Boom, boom. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
last I talked to somebody about the defensive coordinator job, I was told that like a stipulation was that whoever the coordinator was had to operate within a four down front, which made sense to me because that's how Ohio State has recruited. And you'll see that Jim Knowles' defense is, is most often described as a four two five, and and I think that's right. But if you go and watch some Oklahoma State games, you're going to see a lot of what looks like three man fronts. And there's a hybrid position there that uh, it's, I think, most commonly known as like a jack linebacker. I think Jim Knowles has called it a Leo in the past, but it's, it's like a defensive end linebacker kind of hybrid that he moves around quite a bit. So, like, there will be times where that guy is up on the line, almost always standing up as a, as a fourth edge rusher. There will be times where he's in the middle of the line standing up, you know, playing at depth like a linebacker. It's, it's a pretty fun position to play, and I think it'll be an easy and fun position for Ohio State to recruit to. But trying to think of like who might play that position in 2022, not to get way too ahead of ourselves, but like I think that's also a fun prospect. Uh, and honestly, Craig Young, who just went into the transfer portal, <laughs> might be like tailor-made for it, but he's not here anymore. But I'm trying to envision a guy like Jack Sawyer in that role. What do you think of that? What are they going to call it? The bullet? No, this is different. This is different than the bullet. There is a bullet. I know. I know. What are they going to call it, though? Uh, the bullet. Yeah, he'll probably just call it what he called it at Oklahoma State, which is uh, Leo or Jack or something. I don't know. I think it'd be funny if they called it the bullet. If the bullet didn't die, yeah. but it was just a different position in the defense. Yeah, just call it the bullet, and then we could have 10 more months of who's going to play the bullet headlines. Yeah. That position is also in this defense, but he calls it a bandit. It's like a That's more of like a safety linebacker hybrid. He plays with three safeties, uh, aggressive, like pressed-up corners, uh, and man coverage often – a big difference for Ohio State will be um, not spot dropping anymore in zone coverage, which like no one does. Like Ohio State was Ohio State was one of very few teams who do that because you just end up guarding grass and quarterbacks who don't have anyone in their face pick you apart. Uh, Jim Knowles does a lot more of of pattern matching zone than than Ohio State I think is accustomed to. So that'll be a significant change for them on on the back end of the defense as well. So it's not like it's not a perfect kind of come in here and run your stuff and we're used to it kind of deal. There's going to be some some development and, and learning here that's going to have to happen probably in, in, in a rather quick way for Ohio State to have the kind of defense it wants to have next year. But I think it's the right direction for them to go, which is namely just like an aggressive defense. Like Ohio State, I think, will start attacking people on defense in a way that has not attacked people in at least the last two seasons. Let me put it to people or I'll get you to put it to people in layman's terms. When Ohio State plays offense, okay, Mr. Stars Matter, yeah. here, hat back on. When Ohio State plays offense, they out-athlete the hell out of people. Mm-hmm. Nobody can cover them. Insane catches. Travion Henderson running to the end zone every other play. You know, C.J. Stroud dropping it into buckets. Offensive line, you get it. When you watch their offense play, there's no more exciting offense in the country. When you watch Ohio State's defense play, you have to hold your breath and hope that nothing bad is going to happen in the next two or three plays. Yeah. And it's like, what kind of defense needs to be put in place? Or is this the type of person that can actually help people feel Ohio State's talent on the defensive side of the ball? Because it's like watching Ohio State on defense, you would never know that they have these world-class athletes back there. It's like, it's insane to me. We're just watching them react and react and react. It's like, go hit somebody in the mouth and be like, bitch, you're not moving the ball on me. <laughs> I mean, like, I hate to say it in such an unelegant way. Or yeah. Not an elegant way, but, like, you know what I mean. It's like offense is uber talented, 
Nobody can do anything. I don't care if they just ran a bunch of uh, goes. Nobody's stopping it. You know what I mean? It's just like, and then the defense is just like, oh, well, hopefully this game won't be a complete disaster. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think you're right, and, and I think that's the the sentiment of a lot of Ohio State fans who who want to see a, a defense kind of set the terms of a game. Ohio State's defense hasn't done that for two years. It did it in 2019, mostly because Chase Young was the guy who was doing it, and he was like could do that on his own. Um, but Jim Knowles is, I, th- I think, is as long as he's left to to do what he wants to do, and, and I and I truly think that he will be. I don't I don't think this has come coordinate my vision for the defense because I don't I don't think Jim Knowles would have taken the job if that was the case. I think he's he's probably a, a, you know sees himself as something more than that. Um, and he had far more far too established. Yeah, and he had and he if, if that were the case, he had plenty of other options to go at, at places that would have let him do that. You know, Penn, Penn State actually being kind of chief among them. It sounded like at the end this was an Ohio State versus Penn State uh, battle there, which adds another layer of importance to it, I guess. But yeah, it's not gonna be it's not gonna be we're just gonna out athlete you. Um, now that's an interesting proposition for Jim Knowles because he's been at Oklahoma State and Duke and I believe at Oklahoma State this past year, he did not have a defensive starter who was ranked above a three-star prospect. Um, so he's not used to to having this type of talent at his disposal. But the flip side of that is, too, every single one of his starters at Oklahoma State, save for uh, like one freshman who was kind of a situational player on passing downs, was fourth year or older. So that was a guys who really got the time to develop in that system. This was Jim Knowles' fourth year in Stillwater, and he had a lot of time to get that system implemented and, and get guys' experience in it. And then this year, that all, it all kind of came together kind of in a perfect year for them where they were the second-best defense in the country uh, and and first or best defense in the country in, in, in some respects. You know, They're second in the country on third down, lead the country in tackles for loss, lead the country in sacks. Um, but there's not going to be that kind of um, – I don't know, like built-in kind of longevity at Ohio State because if your players at Ohio State are good, they're going to leave. So that that'll be a challenge for him as well. But but I think on the whole, it, it's going to be what you're talking about. It's going to be a defense that that looks to go out and hit people in the mouth and not wait to be hit. And does it concern you at all that he's not a recruiter? No, I'm not saying that he won't be able to close talent, but like if he's not known for that, is that a problem? No, not not for this position. I I, I truly think that they need it again, a head coach on that side um, to just get everyone aligned, set the vision for the defense, you know, have a good game plan. That's the other thing with this. I think, I think they're sometimes I felt like Ohio state, like just sort of came out and, and did what it did and didn't have much in the way of like opponent specific plans. Now, and, and maybe you don't feel as much of an impetus to have that because you're so much more talented than who you're playing. Um, I think Jim Knowles operates a little differently. There's, there's plenty of stories about him. Like, um, Mike Gundy said, like, they won't see him all day on Sunday. He locks himself in his office on Sunday. They don't see him all day on Monday. And then Tuesday, he comes out with a game plan for the week. And it's, and like, in the meantime, he's letting his position coaches kind of run stuff. So, um, it's truly, I think, kind of like head coach like. And I, I would rather him do that, do that than, you know, be out on the road being a dynamic recruiter. That's what you have your assistants for. What is he doing in that room? Yeah. Drawing up, drawing up blitzes, drawing up ball plays. Uber Eats, Uber Eats, Uber Eats, Uber Eats a salad, and then uh, it's funny. Just like it's kind of like a funny, <laughs> a funny thing to think yeah. about. Some psychopath locks himself in an office for two days, and then locks, and then yeah, and then he screaming. like comes out with a wrinkled piece of paper. I got here's, it. Here's the Indiana plan. All right, all right, guy. It's Indiana. We got yeah. this one. Yeah, it'll be it'll be good. Um, I hope just 
if nothing else, you can feel the impact of it. Because Ohio State needs it. They need freshness. They need new faces. They need new voices. They need to turn the page. And they need to have a reason to believe that the things that have been happening in the last few years are just going to change. Mm-hmm. You know, And there are a lot of really good young athletes that are coming in in these next two classes. And I find it to be very interesting because we did talk you know, in the past about how there were recruiting lulls in the 2019-2020 classes. And to get them the 2021 and 2022 and, and probably 2023 classes getting back to that top five era, uh, mark to bring them in, especially as much defensive talent as in those two classes to come in at the same time as a coach so that th- this is their indoctrination into college football is a pretty good way to build, build something. So, you know, young defense, young players, a lot of talent needs to be replaced. You know, the, the hope is that they're get the emergence of Jack Sawyer, you know, they can find a few linebackers that can hit somebody and defensive backs, five of which are going to be, or maybe even six of which are going to be playing a ton, kind of take to this. And you have yourself a new defense that looks like the intimidating force that it should be. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think, I think there's a lot of reason to be excited with this. I think maybe, uh, I think maybe some patience is requ- is going to be required a little bit like I don't I don't think that Jim Knowles is going to get here in January and when Ohio State takes the field against Notre Dame in September like it's going to look like a top 10 caliber defense that I think Ohio State should have Uh, but I think he's also the guy to get Ohio State back to that point and honestly it's kind of it's startling to me that three of the last four years Ohio State has been downright terrible on defense Um, Ohio State shouldn't be that way and, and I think this is the kind of hire that gets them back to being the, the defense you expect them to be. So there's a lot of reason to be excited about it. I just don't want – I hope what we said here in the last 20 minutes doesn't make it think like – doesn't make people think that Jim Knowles is going to show up, snap his fingers, and everything's going to be great again. Like it's going to require some time and some work. This is a pretty different scheme, um, frankly, than, than what Ohio State's run in the past, than what these players thought they were getting recruited for. I think. It, What's the biggest difference in your eyes, though? Uh, I think how he changes the fronts up is is a pretty big one. It's not a it's not a true four man front. Um, it's not to say that I don't think Ohio State has the players to not to doesn't have the players to pull it off. I actually think they do. And to circle back, like I, I actually like the idea of like Jack Sawyer playing kind of that like rover hybrid linebacker pass rusher position, where like the, really the design of that position is we're going to put you in a spot where they can't block you and, and make sure that you get home as a pass rusher. Like that's awesome for Jack Sawyer. I, I bet Jack Sawyer would love that. Um, and maybe there's another guy, a younger guy or two on that defense. So maybe even someone like CJ Hicks, maybe not as a true freshman, but over time it can be somebody who does something like that too. There's, there's different shapes and sizes that have done well in that position in the past. So, but, but it's different than, than what Ohio state has done here. Like it's just a four down hand in the dirt you know, line it up and, and try to beat your man. This is this is different. So um, that um, three safeties is not a super big departure because Ohio State's kind of done that already um, this past season. So maybe that's not too much of a departure from where they were. Um, and I think maybe in some ways the cornerback play is going to get back to something looking like it looked when Chris Ash was here, that sort of aggressive press man coverage which I also think Ohio State fans would be in, into seeing too because I, I think a lot of Ohio State fans are tired of watching plays where the cornerbacks are giving every receiver eight yards of cushion. So um, I think I think on the whole it's a defense that Ohio State fans are going to like a lot. It's just for some of the guys in the front seven, I think in particular it's going to be a little bit of a different, a little bit of adjustment for, for them. That's good. That's good stuff. I mean, Bill, they should just pay the Bill Landis search firm. Yeah. 
I I I had gotten like wind of Jim Knowles last week, so I I've been reading what I've been able to read and watching some stuff. So like I'm not an expert on it, and I'm not going to pretend to be, but I feel like I have a pretty good idea for what he's about, and what he's about I think is exactly what Ohio State needs. You think he's going to smoke a turd on the sidelines? That's what my dad calls cigarettes. Cigars. I mean, uh, cigars. So, yeah. Smoke a turd. Yeah. Yeah, my dad used to be a big cigar guy, uh, and he'd be like, "I'll be right back. I'm going to smoke a turd." Smoke a turd. Yeah. Your dad's, your dad's <laughs> man. He will. I think. I think. I think Jim Knowles will be will be smoking a turd on the sideline. Are there t- uh, anti tobacco rules? Oh yeah, wasn't Mike Vrabel chewing tobacco on the sideline for Ohio State and he got in trouble? I don't know. Doesn't Jim Harbaugh coach with like a pound of chew in his mouth? I don't know. I think he does. I don't, I don't see the problem. I think neither do I. Yeah, helps take the edge off while you're coaching a ball game. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's called the adult CBD. You know? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, so I don't know. I don't have anything else to add on. I don't know. Is there anything? Any other thoughts you have on Ohio well, State? The, the question that I that I I'm very curious to see is. Uh, and by the way, earlier when I got confused, you said I have CJ tomorrow. I thought you were talking about CJ Hicks because I thought you were talking. You know, we're working on a story on him. I did. I went and um, talked to him. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday night. I went and talked with CJ on Tuesday afternoon. Uh, really good interview, by the way. Yeah. So I just, I think there is something to add. Do you think that the talent that Ohio State's roster has? Do you think that you know, with how prevalent transfers are going to be and have been? that this is a reason for people to be excited and galvanized to stay? Or do you think there's going to be some departures as a result of this scheme, whether, hmm. whether it means people who don't fit in the scheme or wanted to play for carry or whatever. But I, I just like, I wonder too, it's just like which players and not maybe specifically, but how prevalent do you think that could be in two, which coaches do you think are like most likely to not return? And I don't know if it's fair to speculate about that, but that's an important aspect of all this. I could certainly see a situation where they all return um, so that you have like Larry Johnson, Al Washington, Matt Barnes, and Kerry Combs working under Jim Knowles. I, I think I'd be most surprised if that were the case, but I don't think it's it's totally out of the cards. Um, I guess the one that I would say maybe most likely could be Al Washington only because he and Jim Knowles coach the same position. Um, if, if Jim Knowles is going to pick up a position. I still, I still, th- I really think that the carry is going to be back in some kind of different capacity, and I, and honestly, I think might be a good fit coaching up the corners in this system because he's done it before uh, when when Chris Ash was here. Um, Larry, I think it's totally up to Larry whether or not he wants to keep coaching. Uh, I think I said before on, on the show that that the last indication that I got was that he did want to be here next year and did want to continue coaching. Um, and, and I also heard that, that if it turns out that he's not and he wants to retire, that I still think he'd be around the program in some capacity. So I, I don't think we've seen the last of Larry Johnson around here either way. Um, Barnes is the most interesting one maybe because he got a taste of coordinating and, and like I don't think did a terrible job, um, especially kind of reshaping things on the fly. And if he thinks to himself like, okay, I've, I've kind of graduated beyond what I've been the last few years and he wants to go somewhere that might give him a chance to be a coordinator or have increased – increased responsibility from what he would have here working under a clear-cut defensive coordinator i could see that too um so maybe i would say most likely to leave our our barnes because of that and washington because of the position he coaches but again if if they're all back i I don't think i'd be shocked by that what do you think yeah when you i think i'm with you i feel like al washington's time to leave has come and I don't know uh, if that's going to happen or not, but given the position that Knowles is an expert at, uh, 
and given the fact that it's been the weakest position on Ohio State's defense for multiple years. Uh, not to mention that there haven't been. I actually don't know. I don't. Wins. I don't know if I agree that it's been the weakest position on their defense for multiple years. I actually think it was probably their best position last year, or not in twenty twenty. Um, it was pretty good in twenty nineteen. They weren't bad in nineteen. I know the lasting image. They've had like a stud linebacker on this team, and I mean, I guess Pete well, Warner. Yeah, I mean that's true. That that's thing? true. I agree with that. Like, I mean, like what? What are we doing? I agree that like the you know the halcyon days of Ryan Shazier and James Laurinaitis feel like they're an eternity ago because um, they were. But I I wouldn't I wouldn't say that linebacker has been the weak point of the defense. I think it I think it was this year. Um. But I don't think it has been the last two years. And I think it wasn't 2018. If, even if saying that it's the weak point of the defense is a little bit too far for you, it's not been special in any way. Like it's just yeah. it's just blah to me. I don't know. I think that's I think that's I right, just, but I I think that's mostly true of the entire defense the last two years. Yeah, I guess so. So I don't know. I I think because I've had similar thoughts about Al Washington, like, and I've been thinking about it a little more, like, over the last week or so. I think maybe my read is is, is a little off on that. Um, I don't think he's like a superstar or hasn't shown himself to be one yet. And like, he was considered for coordinator jobs, and there was like a big to do about that. And like the 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 attention that that got relative to like job performance here, is like, seems a little off. If that makes sense. Um. So I think I could go either way on that, but I, I could, I, th- I think Ryan Day would prefer to keep out Al- Washington. Well, and probably now because C.J. Hicks and Gabe Powers are in twenty twenty two class, you know, and those are the two highest rated players in their class are both linebackers. So, yeah. and Sonny and know, Sonny Styles is probably going to reclassify to twenty twenty two, from what, from what I've heard. Um, he's a linebacker. He's like a he's more of like a Ronnie Hickman type. I think he's a bullet. He's a bullet. He's a bandit now. No longer the bullet. <laughs> he's, a he's a bandit now. Um, but even that, like thinking of like, okay, like CJ Hicks is coming and Gabe Powers is coming and Sonny Styles is coming and like those guys in this scheme, really fun. As long as Ryan Day lets Jim Knowles do his thing, I think it's gonna be a really fun defense. So all's all's okay. Everything's fine. Ohio State's gonna win national championship next year. God, Michigan's lucky they got it in now. <laughs> That's huh? right. That's right. Yeah. While we're talking about this, because I, I do think it's interesting, what's your? I saw Greg Stujaro was on the road recruiting yeah. on Tuesday. Like, I, what, what is your your feel of of where Ohio State's offensive side of the ball was going to be staff change wise? Uh, he's the one. Well, well, Tony Alford's not getting the Colorado State job. Um, that went to Jay Norvell, and from what, from what I was told, like Tony didn't even get much of a look there. I think I think as soon as that job opened, everyone kind of thought that like he was the shoe in for that. Um, and I was talking to some of our colleagues at the Athletic about that, and they thought so too. And then I heard the the night before Jay Norvell got hired, I said like I I heard that like Tony didn't get much of a look for this, and they were surprised when I, when I told him that. Um, so I he should be staying, I would think. Um, Brian Hartline, I think, is staying. There's I know there was stuff about there like Marcus Freeman making a run of Brian Hartline. I think Ohio State will do whatever it needs to take to keep him. Um, I don't think Corey Dennis is going anywhere. Uh, Parker Fleming, I have no idea. I think they should make that position a fourth defensive assistant so they can have four defensive assistants working under Jim Knowles, but I'm just one man with one opinion. Um, and Stud, I, if I had to guess, Stud would not be their offensive line coach next year. Um, but I, I have not like heard anything concrete about that. That's more of like a, of a feel thing. Uh, but he's still out there recruiting. 
So, and he was at the home of uh, Miles Frazier, who's a transfer offensive tackle from Florida International, who's getting a ton of attention and is actually going to be on the Athletics freshman All American team that comes out this week. So he's a good player, but I was kind of surprised to see them even entertaining the idea of a transfer offensive lineman, unless they think like Dewan Jones and Nicholas Petit Fair are both going to go pro. Then I guess that makes sense. But otherwise, well, we don't want to run off the entire offensive line room. That's right. Yeah, you have to keep that keep that in mind. Um, we'll talk. More, let's talk more about that. We've been reading. We, we we've been reading about uh, the Elias Rick stuff and. Uh, the reaction to it, and I don't know if we're going to get into it on this podcast or another one, but I was just a quick joke to preview what we might be talking about later in the yeah, week. Yeah, I think I think let's put a pin in that and talk more about general transfer philosophy later in the week because I do think that's interesting. Because why would you get a good player if it's going to run off your whole that's, roster? Yeah, it's people are asking it more and more. <laughs> uh, Lipo selection option or obsession? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's. Uh, Let's wrap up there on the Jim Knowles conversation. Uh, if um, unless you have more to add, are you good? We're good. He's from Philly. The last he thing I'll say, I just think uh, it. It just seems like the type of thing that Ryan Day hadn't done, and the type of thing that he needed to do. And I was happy to see that he was disciplined enough to do it. Um, and I think that also is a key that he recognizes that Ohio State's not where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. And I do think that it was a major change and. You know, after the Michigan game, there was no way the staff was going to be the same. So, right. you know, the fact that he went out and did that and, you know, we always talk about how Ohio State is the destination job for a lot of these guys and how it should be able to pool um, top coordinators and top assistants in the country. It just makes you wonder why they ever hired anybody that didn't have these types of credentials. <laughs> right. You know what right. I mean? Because it's just like if you can go out and get Jim Knowles, I mean, it might have cost a lot of money. But I don't feel bad for Ohio State's pocketbook. If you can go get this guy, then why is? And I'm not. I'm not trying to be mean, but there are certain coaches on the staff. It's like, why are they on the staff? Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Not because they're not good, or not because they're not going to be good, or they're not accomplished. It's because there's somebody out there that's better than them and more accomplished that would take the job. And it's like you should have the best people in place at all times when you're Ohio State. And I don't think that's the case right now. And I still don't think it's the case with who's on the rock. I mean. You know, there are people that I would replace and tomorrow if I were the head coach, if I knew I could get somebody like Jim Knowles to take their place. So starting that position um, with the top dog on defense and actually giving him the leeway to not only choose his staff, but to impact scheme and recruiting and, and design is, is something that I think that Ohio State needed after last year. And, you know, I know that it was only one game against Alabama, but, you know, it was hard to move on from Kerry Combs, but I do hope that Kerry Combs stays. I think that he's an integral part of Ohio State's, you know, identity and did a really good job during the 2014 run, and he's a great recruiter and certainly has developed talent. Um, if he's willing to stay as a as a the secondary coach, I think that'd be great. Um, but, yeah, it's time for Ryan Day to put his thumbprint on this program, and I think this is a nice step in that direction. Watch uh, the Fiesta Bowl on, I believe it's January 1st. I think it's in the morning before Ohio State plays you should cover Utah. That. I I texted. I was texting with Doug, uh, Doug Lee Maurice, earlier on on uh, Tuesday, and I said, he asked me if I was going to the Rose Bowl. I said I'm going to the Rose Bowl, but now I want to go to the Fiesta Bowl to cover the defensive coordinator they should have hired two years ago, who's now the head coach of Notre Dame, coaching against the guy that they've hired to correct their mistake. <laughs> 
I bet you you could go there and write that story before you go to L.A. You should fly to Phoenix. Go to Fiesta Bowl Media Day. So what day is the Fiesta Bowl? Is it also, it's on, the also first? on the first? Yeah. Okay, that kind of sucks. Yeah. But I was hoping it'd be like like uh, before New Year's, and then I would actually pitch this, but I just don't think it's, it's called work. a double. It would call a double dip. Yeah, maybe I'll just go to the Fiesta Bowl instead. Then you would get to drive by that psychopath town in California where we we drove by. Oh, uh, the Salton the Salton sea. sea. Yeah, what was that town called? Uh, I can't remember. East Jesus. It's the town. It's the town. If you've ever played uh, Grand Theft Auto Five, that's the most recent one, right? The the psychopath guy in that game. I can't remember what his name is. The the town that he lives in. That's like all. That in the middle of it's all where? dirt and trailers. It's the town that that's based off of, <laughs> on the Salton Sea, in Southern California. Ari and I went there after the Rose Bowl in 2018. It was awesome and terrifying. I'm trying to find the the town Bombay, Bombay Beach. Beach. Is that yeah, what it Bombay is? Bombay Beach. Or Slab City. Slab City is in that area. East Jesus is in that area. Uh, Sal- East Jesus is not on the Salvation map. Salvation Mountain some- is, is in that area. Is East Jesus on the map, or is that just what somebody decided it's to like call a that plot of yeah, land like a, in the middle of nowhere? It's like a commune, I think, yeah. yeah. It's not an actual... Where they did a bunch of art, which is just a bunch of garbage glued together. It's kind of cool, though. <laughs> yeah, if you ever If you ever find yourself in the desert of uh, Southern California between Los Angeles and, and Arizona, uh, make a stop at East Jesus. We've, we've done a lot of driving together in... You know, we've been in Pennsylvania and all through the Midwest. There was definitely a different feel when you're out in the middle of nowhere. That was great. It was, I think, maybe my favorite drive I've ever done. Well, because we had In-N-Out that That's day. Right. We had In-N-Out in, in Indio, California, right? Is that where we were? Yeah, and it was 71 degrees yeah. in January 2nd, Beautiful. and it was blue skies. And, you know, but hey, we should have gone to Wendy's. <laughs> Okay, that'll wrap up this episode of four to six with uh, with A and B, or maybe moving forward just B. We'll see. I don't know. I feel like I'm losing the guy by the day with my Wendy's take. Hopefully, he's back for the next episode. I'm dying inside every. Hopefully, day. he's back for the next episode when we'll get into more. It's like when your significant other cheats on you and you stay for a while, and then eventually the resentment just overtakes it's too much. you. You can't even it's look too much at them to anymore. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't wait to text a picture of myself eating an In and Out burger to you in California. It's gonna be the best day of my life. Yeah. All right. Well, you know you're getting it because it's superior. Like, I mean, let's be honest. You know it's good, and you're going to go good. It is good. I never said it wasn't good. No, I know. I know. But saying that it's not as good as Wendy's is basically saying it's not good. <laughs> I'll do a taste test when I'm out there. Make sure. Make All sure right. I'm okay. Let's wrap this All up. Right. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Subscribe to the Athletic. Theathletic.com slash four dash six. I'll have something written uh, on Jim Knowles that'll be up sometime. Uh, around the time you listen to this. I don't know. I have to read a ton of it after we, after we record. So that'll be there. We'll have more, I'm sure, to talk about as, as that defensive staff takes shape. But later in the week, we'll talk about uh, some transfer stuff, um, maybe some some roster building with signing day coming up as, as well. So signing day, transfer stuff uh, later in the week. Until then, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.